Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Michael Hansen. And Mike, inflation, inflation, inflation. Let's start with talking about inflation, where we got obviously a big US number this week, which um, may not be that much of a surprise given what other reports have been for May. And perhaps more importantly, the fact that we've been consistently surprised, what, for 12 years now? I don't know how yeah, long it feels like. Maybe more like 12 months, but it feels like a long time. Right. Um, so why don't we go through what we're seeing? I think people, most people see the U.S. number, but just give us a sense of what things are tracking now globally. Yeah, it's uh, inflation everywhere. Um, and so, I mean, the U.S. is actually on the low side of what we're seeing around the world, where you've got double-digit inflation rates now in, in quite a large number of countries. Uh, and so... Uh, I think we're looking for our global uh, average to be around 10% or so, if I'm not mistaken. I think we saw seven-tenths average so far for May. Uh, the U.S. number came in at six-tenths for core and 1% for headline on the month. So, you know, it's it's just relentlessly strong inflationary pressure at this point at the global level. Yeah, and I think it is important to also recognize how the drivers have changed. As we went through last year, much of the inflation was core goods. It was the supply constraints associated with the surging demand coming out of the um, pandemic. But now we're getting a, a very different mix. And it certainly matters for what central banks are doing, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's right. I, so first of all, we are seeing non-core inflation show a lot of strength recently, right? So energy prices are up notably, particularly oil prices are up. Um, you know, you're now at $5 uh, a gallon of gas in the U.S., uh, but food prices are up as well, um, and that's certainly impacting inflation around the world. Uh, but then the, the, within the core, as you mentioned, there's been some softening on the good side. Not a lot, but maybe some. Um, but then as you're kind of transitioning to more service-led growth, and of course, as you have tight labor markets, um, you're seeing signs that services uh, inflation is, is strengthening. And certainly in the U.S. report, um, you saw that the fairly inertial housing costs uh, are, are running very strong. So. Yeah. So now before we get to talking about central banks, which are obviously the other big topic, I think we should realize that double edge that you just described. There's the edge, which is inflation pressures broadening. Uh, they're associated with labor costs beginning to move up. And obviously the tightening we've seen in labor markets, you know, that's a fundamental macro story, which central banks need to respond to and are starting to. But the move up, as you described, in commodity prices, the energy price story in particular, that's a big drag on growth. And we've seen some pretty sharp declines in consumer confidence readings. Um, that's, that's, that's certainly a concern here. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you, you're seeing, uh, outside of the DM, I think you're seeing a few of the EM central banks start to talk about concerns about you know, balancing the, the need to continue to fight inflation, which still remains very, very strong in a number of EM economies, you know, CE countries come to mind with the fact that there's this drag now showing up particularly on consumers with high energy prices, but more broadly on, on growth that is, you know, starting to change a little bit the balance of how central banks are thinking about things going forward. That's not really an issue, you would argue at this point, for the developed market central banks. They still have a ways to go before they get anywhere close to neutral. So let's, let's take them... Yep. Not one at a time, but let's take at least one or two of them at a time. Sure. I'll start with what we learned from the ECB this week. That they are catching up. <laughs> that like a lot of the DM central banks, they were uh, very patient for a while and they are kind of slow to get started, but they are 
rapidly catching up. So we're expecting them to be completely done with asset purchases at the beginning of, of July and to be hiking 25 basis points shortly thereafter that month. Uh, we are looking for 50 basis points then at the next meeting in September. Uh, and uh, we had expected they were going to skip a meeting, but now it seems much more likely they'll go in October as well. And there's certainly risk that they could have to go 50 in October uh, before uh, reverting back to perhaps 25 in, in December. So it's a, a notable pickup in the pace of rate hikes from what we were expecting. It will continue well into next year the way things are going, given the upper revision, the significant upper revisions they made to their inflation forecasts in the next Yeah, they did make big revisions, but they are starting, of course, from a, a negative yes. policy rate. Right. So then let's talk to the, the two that are in train and have somewhat higher levels of rates, the, the Fed and the Bank of England that are both up next week. Right. Yeah, so the Fed has pretty clearly telegraphed that 50 basis points is coming not just next week, but the meeting thereafter. Um, and with today's CPI report, certainly there's some risk that that telegraphing could continue. Uh, we have the Fed hiking to uh, a bit above neutral, above 3% by early next year. And it seems like that's very much on track at this point. Uh, the Bank of England has a more interesting and maybe a little more complicated uh, dynamic that has to deal with. So on the one hand, there's been a lot of fear of growth slowdown in the second half of the year, particularly given the lumpy nature of um, energy price increases being passed through to consumers. Uh, on the flip side, though, you've seen some fiscal support, and it looks like we're going to get more after, uh, you know, the Prime Minister Johnson kind of barely skated through a, a challenge to his leadership from within his own party. Um, so that puts a little more upside risk, perhaps, to what the Bank of England may have to do down the road this year. Net-net, uh, we are looking for 25 at this meeting next week, but there's certainly some chance that a 50 could end up being the outcome. So let's just sort of rotate away from this a second. We've got central banks tightening, and we should also emphasize that their tightening is definitely being felt in financial markets with interest rates up, credit spreads widening now, more more material than I think we've seen at any point in tightening cycles in the last couple of decades. And as we said earlier, there's a pretty important component of the inflation rise, which is a, a drag coming from supply pressures in commodity space. Um, you know, the the issue here is these things are going to be drags on growth, and they haven't been um, elements that have been incorporated fully in our forecast right now. So what's the, what's the concern level we should have about uh, global growth right now? Well, in the near term, you know, we're still expecting uh, a decent rebound, particularly coming out of China, right? China's been hit very hard, and we're looking for uh, some signs in the May data that points to a decent rebound, uh, likely to continue at least into June, if not beyond. Um, and so that's certainly going to give some lift, some rotation, in fact, of the growth impulse towards Asia uh, relative to, say, Europe or the U.S. Um, you know, at the, at the same time, I think there's a lot of questions over the outlook for Europe, quite frankly, uh, particularly they're uh, notably exposed to what might happen in terms of the, uh, the energy uh, uh, you know, price increases and what impact that's going to have on, on their outlooks. Yeah. And I think the obvious story in the positive direction is the Asian story. So we'll see, uh, you know, this is, this is the interesting thing in some senses, the U S feels like it's going to get hit hardest gasoline prices, higher mortgage rates. We're seeing the data start to show those uh, forces. Um, Asia looks like it's getting lift and the tension between the two of them as it gets resolved, is going to determine the second half uh, forecast. 
whether we're right that that actually, uh, I think, has downside risk to our forecast, but isn't uh, big enough to to potentially topple things over, I think becomes the uh, the key issue we're going to track. And I think the other thing becomes the feedback loop, which we're not seeing yet, between what happens when the U.S. economy slows and what happens to the Fed reaction function off of that. If we're if we're right and we get a a slowing in growth to somewhere like 2% or lower and payroll growth starts to slow towards 100,000 a month. How much is that going to have an impact on the Fed where we still think inflation readings are going to be elevated, although hopefully not as elevated as this month's. Right, right. So, um, you know, that becomes a really interesting mix because quite frankly, to date, they haven't had hard choices. You know, they've been obviously behind the curve, but once they've started to get going, it's not hard to see why the ECB is going to move quickly here or why the Fed's going to deliver 50s at this point. But once you get that slowing in place, um, then the, the decision making becomes more, I think, uh, uh, difficult. And uh, uh, we'll see what trade-offs they choose. They're certainly not telling us at this point how they're going to balance those things. Uh, so with that, we're still a little ways from that. And we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that the pace has picked up here and is almost certainly going to continue in that way through the summer months. But as we look out later this year, we are expecting this growth rotation, this slowing in the U.S., and that's going to make, I think, things much more interesting as we start to think about central banks. So with that, we'll stop there. Hope that we can continue the conversation next week on J.P. Morgan TV.